You take your Bibles and turn to the book of Philemon, please. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 20 and 21 tonight. Philemon, verses 20 and 21. All right, we're coming to the end of our study in Paul's letter to Philemon. God willing, we'll finish it up next Wednesday. Kind of strange. Usually we're in books for a long time, you know, but these short books make short work of it. Just be praying that God will give me wisdom on where to go next. Also, I, I failed to mention the little thumb drives for the seminary course should be in Friday. And then uh, I will get them all loaded up and start seeing who all wants them. Send them to any preacher that wants them. Uh, But last week, we saw how Paul obligated himself to repaying a debt that he did not owe for Onesimus, who owed a debt that he could not pay. Paul obligated himself by putting it in writing, telling Philemon in verse 19, if you'll look there with me, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Praise God, you have to think about Jesus when you hear that. I will repay it. (laughs) Amen. And we learned that God also obligated himself, again, to paying the debt we owed him. When he gave us the Old Testament and then fulfilled that obligation by paying our debt in full with Jesus on the cross. And that taught us how God could righteously forgive the debt that we owe Him. And teaching us this, the letter then turned to show us a different aspect of forgiveness. Based on that same principle, Paul's letter then taught us how we can forgive our fellow man for the debt they owe us, as God has forgiven us. Paul went on to tell Philemon in verse 19, if you'll look back, albeit, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Philemon owed Paul, we saw last week, far more than Onesimus owed him. So whatever Onesimus owed him, Paul, I mean, sorry, Philemon could simply chalk it up to what he owed Paul and still come out ahead. Right? Again, he owed Paul more than Onesimus owed him. So whatever Onesimus owed him, just chalk it up to what I owe Paul. And I've still come out ahead. In the same way, we owe God far more than any person could possibly owe us on this earth. So based on that principle, whatever somebody owes us, all we can have to do is simply chalk that up to what we owe God. And since we owe him far more than they owe us, we'll always still come out ahead, even if we forgive everything. That's what Paul is encouraging Philemon to do toward Onesimus, and that's what God in this letter is encouraging us to do in love toward our neighbor. And now to encourage Philemon even more to exercise this spirit of love and forgiveness toward his brother Onesimus in Christ, Paul now tells him, as we move on to our new verse tonight, look with me in verse 20. 
He says, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. These are two short verses tonight, but I want us to slow down, wade through the watery doctrine together, and get our shoes soaked with the goodness that's in it. I want to take some time and allow an image to begin to form in your mind. Because if you have an image form in your mind, it's hard to forget it. And hopefully this truth will stick with you till you die. He says, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Paul wanted Philemon to let him have some joy. He wanted Philemon to be a blessing to him. So by learning how Philemon could be a blessing to Paul, we will learn how we can be a blessing to others. Same principle. We see how Philemon could forgive Onesimus, how God could forgive us, and now how Philemon could be a blessing to his brother in Christ, and thus how we can be blessing to our brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's dig down deep into our text tonight, mine some precious truths from it, and let's learn how we can become a blessing of God's wonderful grace. How many of y'all want to be a blessing of God's wonderful grace? I do. So what I want you to do is take your pens, please, and underscore the words, let me. Let me. Now underscore the words, have joy. Just do it separate so it's not just a full line distinctly. Let me give a little space. Have joy. Give a little space. Underscore of thee. Paul said, let me have joy of thee. And before we expound these words, it's important for us to understand the people involved in this conversation. Because if you don't read the text carefully, if you just kind of skip over it, then you're going to make the mistake of assuming that there are two people involved in this conversation, Paul and Philemon. And if you assume that, you're going to assume wrong. Because this conversation involves three people. Three people. Take your pens again and underscore the words in the Lord. In the Lord. So there are three people involved in this conversation that we're studying tonight. Look with me back in verse 20. And let's identify these people together. The three people that Paul mentions as far as being a blessing to one another, as far as somebody in in the Christian sense having uh, the ability to give joy to another believer in the Christian sense, there's three people. Look at them in the text. Let's look here. Me, thee, and the Lord. Me, Thee and the Lord. Brother, it's so simple, but when you think about it, it gets so big. You know, it's just, I love it. It does. It's so simple, but then it's suddenly it just becomes so profound. Do you know what we learn from this? For me 
to be a blessing to you as a Christian, there has to be three people involved. Me, thee, and the Lord. That's the only way. That's the only way. Those are the three people involved in Christian blessing. So that's the first thing we see here are, is the people involved in Christian blessing. And now I want to move to the next part, and that is the position involved in Christian blessing. The position involved in Christian blessing. Paul said, let me, person number one, have joy of thee, person number two. And then here's this very important preposition. The word in. He didn't say, let me have joy of thee. Praise the Lord. (laughs) He said, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. In the Lord. So first of all, every blessing comes from where? It comes from that third person, right? It comes from the Lord. Remember what James said, he said, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Lord, right? So if you want to be the channel of God's good and perfect gift to the brethren, to your neighbor, to whomever, then there's only one source that that good and perfect gift can come from. Where is that? It's the Lord. Only one source. Can't get it any other place. So every blessing comes from the Lord. Every believer is in the Lord. (laughs) You see that? Every blessing comes from the Lord. But every believer is in the Lord. Let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Remember, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Paul said, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Joy is a good and perfect gift, but there is only one place that true joy can come from, and that's the Lord. Paul wanted the joy of the Lord, and he is asking Philemon to let him have it. It almost sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? There's only one place that joy can come from, true joy can come from, that's the Lord. Every good and perfect gift has to come down from him. The Bible says so. Nevertheless, even though it's the only place he can get it from is the Lord, he's asking Philemon almost for permission. He's asking them, hey, let me. And he's, you see, he had the permissiveness there. Allow me to have joy of you in the Lord. Wow. When you think about it, it's absolutely fascinating. If you would, I want you to think for a moment with me. I want you to imagine for a moment. I told you when we began this that I wanted to create a visual in your mind. And I want you to think of the joy of the Lord as if it was water. As if it was water, okay? 
And since joy can only come from the Lord, I want you to think of the Lord as if he was a barrel that that water of joy was in. Make sense? Joy that Paul wants is the water. The water can only come from one place. It's found in the barrel. No other place, no other source has to come from the barrel. Paul is a thirsty man. He's thirsty for the water of joy that's in the barrel of the Lord. But that's only Paul and the Lord. There's three people involved in this, right? <laughs> Let me have joy of thee in the Lord. There's a third person involved here, and that's Philemon. And he is standing, if you would, between Paul and this water in the barrel. So Paul's here. The barrel's up there, because every good and perfect gift comes down from the, from the Lord. The barrel is up there. The water's in the barrel. And he's asking for Laman, let me have joy of you in that barrel. <laughs> let me have some of that water in that barrel. Where's Philemon? Follow the picture with me. Biblically speaking, where's Philemon? Someone say it louder. Huh? What's the Lord? He's the barrel. Where's Philemon? He's in the barrel. There we go. He's in the barrel. In the barrel, Hannah. The barrel is the Lord. The water is the joy of the Lord. But to, to, to get to Paul, for that water to get to Paul, the thirsty man, the joy must flow through the spigot. You see? Who's the spigot? Philemon's the spigot. So Paul asked the spigot, let me have joy of thee in the Lord, please. Who put Philemon in the Lord? The Lord put Philemon in the Lord. So who made Philemon the spigot? The Lord God made Philemon the spigot. By Philemon's new birth. And by this divine and circumstantial providence. God has put Philemon in the position. To where he can be a channel. Of God's divine blessing. To two other believers. Paul and Onesimus. This the providence worked it out. His new birth put him in the barrel. And directed him through these providential circumstances to where he can be the channel of God's grace to these men. Philemon is the channel. But the channel has a choice. He has a choice. And so Paul's asking him, let me have joy of you in that barrel, please. Let me have some of the joy in that barrel of Jesus Christ. Philemon, Paul recognized that God had made him in this circumstance a spigot. So now Philemon has a choice to make. In Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22, Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? 
And you know the answer. And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. So if Philemon obeys the Lord Jesus, if he applies the commandment of Christ that we just read, if he simply turns and yields to his master's will, then his obedience will turn the spigot and let the joy of Jesus flow down to these thirsty brethren. That's how it works. But if Laman disobeys the Lord and turns from his master's will, it's going to be righty-tighty instead of lefty-loosey, you see. His disobedience will leave the spigot closed and Paul and Onesimus will be denied the joy of Jesus in that situation. Just think about the providence of God for a moment in this circumstance. Out of all the people for a lost, unbelieving slave to run into, as he's running from his master, he runs into the apostle Paul. Is that a coincidence? Nope. (laughs) That's God's providence. Unbeknownst to Onesimus, God was using his flight from slavery to, to, to bring him, to confront him with the gospel. And then deliver him from sin and death. And out of all the people for this lost slave to belong to, he happens to belong to Philemon a believer in Christ, and a personal friend of Paul who Onesimus ran into and was converted by. Is this a coincidence? No. It's God's providence. Before Onesimus was ever born, God had already arranged for Paul to be in that prison at that time in the direction Onesimus would be headed He knew Onesimus would arrive there. And God had already arranged for Philemon to come to Christ through Paul's ministry ahead of time himself. God had providentially arranged the people, the times, and the places that he might advance the kingdom of Christ with these men and provide for the spiritual growth and protection of Onesimus. When this poor lost slave ran into the apostle Paul in that prison, Paul recognized that God in that circumstance had made him a spigot of his grace. Paul was a spigot when Onesimus ran into him. And Paul yielded in obedience to Jesus who had called him to be an apostle of the gospel. And through his obedience to Christ, it opened the spigot and the grace of the glorious gospel of Christ in the barrel whom Paul was in flew through Paul and Onesimus, the thirsty man, drank water, which he, having drunk, would never thirst again. God poured out his grace through Paul upon that lost sinner. And Christian, by faith, you must learn to see your temporary circumstance as God's eternal providence and let your obedience to God's word open the spigot of God's grace. I'm going to say that again. By faith, 
You must learn to see your temporary circumstance as God's eternal providence and let your obedience to God's word open the spigot of God's grace. Anytime God puts you in a unique position to bless another believer in Christ by your obedience to the scriptures, you are that spigot in the barrel. And the believer is telling you, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee. Paul said, he went on to say, look back in your text, Refresh my bowels in the Lord. There's the Lord again. Refresh my bowels, that's me. You is understood, and there's the third person, the Lord again. To refresh Paul's bowels, that has the idea of giving Paul some much-needed comfort concerning the situation he was in. Philemon had the opportunity here by obeying the Lord to take a load off of Paul's mind in the ministry by simply following the biblical mandate Christ had given Why would God do this? I mean, think about it. Why would God do this? Why not rather bypass the spigot and just let Paul do business with the barrel? Why do we have to have three people involved? You ever thought about that? Why why, why can Paul just say, Lord, let me just have joy of thee? And God say, ooh, I got a bunch of joy. Don't work like that. If God only made thirsty men, if God only made thirsty men, we would never know the amazing and thrilling joy of being in the barrel. Paul would have never known the joy of being in the barrel. But because we're in the barrel, God doesn't make us little little pieces of wood in the barrel or the little bands around the barrel that hold the wood together. He makes us spigots in the barrel. And that's the joy of being in the barrel. Because we get the incredible opportunity of having the grace of God flow through us to thirsty people. I'm so thankful to God that he allowed me to hear and receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. I I heard and received it from a man named Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He was a spigot in the barrel. Thank God he was obedient to the word. And he turned that spigot and let the gospel loose on me. I received it. And I'll be eternally grateful. But you know something? The greatest blessing and fulfillment in my life by far has been God allowing me to give the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Allowing me to be a spigot in the barrel. Truly, it is indeed more blessed to give than to receive. The devil doesn't want you to view your temporary circumstance in the light of God's eternal providence. He doesn't want you to see yourself as a spigot in the barrel. He doesn't want you to live 
with a divine, eternal perspective. He wants you to waste the precious time that you've been given. He wants you to live in, a, in playful disobedience to God's Word and keep the spigot closed. He wants you to, if you go to church, He wants you to say, Praise God, I'm in the barrel. Praise God, I'm in the barrel. And never see yourself as the spigot. Monday afternoon, this Monday afternoon, I received a request from a woman out of state who wanted to use the Know I'm Saved and Leaving Egypt books in a ladies' Bible study at her church. And she asked me how much they would cost. And I was busy at the time. I saw the text and and I, I was a little busy at the time. I thought I'll write her back here in just a moment. And before I had the chance to answer her, bing, got a little notice pop up on my phone. One of the visitors to knowimsaved.com sent a $200 offering to help me reach the lost with the gospel. There's my answer. Guess what I told her, Brother Doug? No cost. We'll send them to you. I wrote her back, said, no charge. Let me have your address. We'll send them to you. All of this because someone who had come to faith in Christ knew that there were others out there like him needing to hear the gospel and be delivered from their confusion. And this man who's down from the Houston, Texas area, By faith, he heard, he didn't know those confused people, but he knew there were others like him. And by faith, he heard them say, let us have joy of thee. Let us have joy of thee in the Lord. So he obeyed the great commission and he turned his spigot loose on the world. And when my wife When I went home and I told my wife what had happened, she had those books boxed up before the night's end and shipped them out the very next day. Why? Because by faith, she heard the people out of state say, let us have joy of thee. I didn't have time to mail those books off. I didn't have time to pack those books up. I had to get ready for tonight. So she also obeyed the Great Commission. And with the service of her hands, she turned the spigot, sending the gospel to the lady who had asked for the books. What's that lady going to (laughs) do? What's that lady going to do with those books? She heard those people by faith say, let us have joy of thee. So she sends the message, requests the books, and turns the spigot in the Lord. What was she doing when she asked me, when she said, Brother Richard, I I, I want to have some of these books so I can teach them in my church. What was she saying? She was saying, Brother Richard, let me have joy of thee. Let me have joy of thee in the Lord. 
There was the person, Philemon. There was the position that Philemon was in, in the Lord. But then finally, there was the passion that Philemon had. Paul said, look back in verse 21 now. Having confidence in thy obedience. The obedience is that which turns the spigot, right? Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Philemon was not a reluctant spigot. Philemon had the heart of God. And he loved to let God's gracious water flow through him. We know that and we'll find that out more next week. Let me tell you, when my wife heard that story about those books, she didn't go, oh man, I'm always doing nothing but stuffing books in boxes. That wasn't what she was doing. She was excited to ship those books out. I was excited to let them go. The donor was excited to fund them. The teacher is excited to share them. Christian, don't let the water drip. Let the water pour.